Namaskar and welcome to Daily Global Insights, episode number 255. A shout out to our viewers to like this program so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Tuesday and here are the main points. India records lowest fresh COVID cases in the past six months at 18,795 and the active cases falls below 300,000 to 292,206. India emerges as Dubai's second largest trading partner as areas of cooperation evolve. Pentagon leaders Austin and Millie prepare for Afghanistan grilling in both houses. Hunter Biden remains invested in Chinese Communist Party business. Xi Jinping raised Huawei CFO issue in the call with Biden before the Department of Justice dropped the charges. She touts this with the Canadians. Sridharji, Namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel. To everybody and excited to be here on this Tuesday when plenty of things happening around the world. Absolutely, sir. And I'm just having a topic. So while you do, let me start off with the vaccines. I think India, India has done exceptionally well. The point that we are making here is India is very close. Probably by October 31st, it will hit the 1 billion mark in terms of the total vaccines. Already two doses that is fully vaccinated. India is around 237 million, you know, pretty, pretty close to making 250 million, uh, you know, within the next few days. Now, that means quarter, almost quarter, quarter of the eligible population would have been fully vaccinated. And that number exceeds the number of fully vaccinated people in the United States. The United States is only around 212, 220 uh, million is the specific number. So all those people who had tremendous criticism around India's vaccination program and vaccination efforts must kind of look at the mirror, you know, whether they are looking at the rear view mirror or whether they're looking at their image in the mirror, they just need to look at themselves and say, okay, the vaccination agenda has worked. What is driving India's success? Very important thing. What is driving success is the people. The people have risen to the occasion and stated that vaccination is good, which also demonstrates the general disposition having been vaccinated with number of things like smallpox, sorry, chickenpox, measles, typhoid, etc. People are much more averse and much more health conscious. Contrary to all kinds of restrictions that has plagued the world, and including yesterday, we had a major, um, what you call, march in New York protesting against the vaccine mandate and mandating for health workers. And uh, India Akash Prime Missile successfully destroys an aerial drone target in its first trial. India Oman signed pact to increase maritime security cooperation. India is signing similar relationships with other West Asian nations. Ties with India are strong, strategic and indispensable, says Cyprus FM. Sridharji, I want to pause here for a minute. The first thing about the missile, that's a significant development because India is staying sort of like keeping up with the Joneses, if you will, to be able to thwart any kind of uh, attack uh, from the air, Sridharji. Indeed, this is very, very, very carefully calibrated. They picked up a drone, they chose an incoming drone as a target, and this missile was fired at the tar at the at the at the at the drone as the target. I actually watched this video and it takes out the drone, 
you know, in mid-air, even before it comes anywhere near the vicinity in the trial. So, therefore, it's a demonstration that this particular missile, when it's uh, uh, in its first kind of trial, is demonstrating a new object, which is an object of threat right now looming around the world. Uh, another important development around all these different Agni uh, uh, and Akash and other types of missiles, including Brahmos, all of them today are India's indigenously developed. So it is no longer reliant on these specific missiles, which is both defensive and offensive from the perspective of being self-reliant and made within, within India. Nepal and India agreed to further promote current cooperation between the two countries. Sridharji, suddenly now we are seeing a flurry of agreements and understandings with various countries, Cyprus and now Nepal and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think India is uh, beginning to look more like here is a reliable partner. This is how I see it, Sridharji. Please feel free to uh, disagree with me or agree with me because the United States is running around with a, it's a, like a chicken with its head cut off, literally. Because today they are doing something, tomorrow they break something else, they go back and form something else. And, and you know, things are coming out of various sides of their mouth. I'm sorry, this is the Biden administration. This is how I see it. If I'm wrong, feel free to let us know by comments. But that's how I see it. Whereas here, India appears a lot more steady. They are not saying much, but they are quietly showing up a lot of things. That's how I see it, Sridharji. Your thoughts? Uh, I think I completely endorse with your sentiments. Uh, there's only two games in town right now, okay? And the third is the subtle game in town, which is Russia. The two games in town are India and France. In terms of proactive engagement, not draconian, debt-based, assertive and coercive partnership, which is what the the much renegade nation in the world, that is China. China is, is about coercion, whereas both France as well as India is extending relationships around various countries. France has a relationship with Cyprus. India has a relationship with Cyprus and a strategic partner. So the moment that happens, Turkey is checkmated, okay? Because Turkey has been rearing its head and talked in United Nations and immediately Cyprus and India raised this partnership heat to a, to, a, to a specific level. France has done a partnership with Greece and it told the European Union, you know, to get out of the way. And India has a strategic partnership also with, with, with Greece in that specific area. So you're beginning to see, we touched about Oman already. We talked about UAE already. So India is beginning to form. You remember we used this uh, intuitive triangle. You can have three vertices of a triangle, which is namely trade, economy and security. So therefore, the relationship either is on trade, which somehow ties to security um, as well as the economy, be it Nepal, be it Cyprus, be it uh, Oman, uh, be it other countries in West Asia like Dubai. Dubai, India has emerged as the second largest trading partner. I have to say the surprise is China. Historically, it was United States number one, but United, Dubai, uh, India has displaced uh, United States as number two by a long stretch. And there's also going to be India, Israel, and UAE. So the point that you're making is very correct. When one partner, especially our honorable president in United States, uh, is untangling all the different partnerships, uh, the smaller nations and the larger nation, India, is going a different path. So I agree with your sentiments. 
And Walter Lidner, German envoy, says the new government will continue with the strong relationship that the two countries enjoy. Um, I, I'm assuming that this is uh, India and Germany, Sridharji? Yes, as because of the Social Democratic Union coming to power, uh, they're reaffirming that uh, both on the trade and investment side, uh, the partnership is only going to enhance, uh, not going to uh, dissipate in any manner. So there is no threat to the long-term partnership that Germany has enjoyed with India. So which is a very positive news, again, within the construct of what's happening. Because now India has France, India has UK, India has Germany, and then India is also doing a broader EU. Then India has partnership, if you recall, with some of the smaller Eastern European nations and uh, also with the Greek uh, Cypriots. And, and domestic market players table greater market access demand as India prepares to sign free trade agreements with the European Union and the United Kingdom. Sridharji, EU uh, has been kind of, you know, watching left and right what is going on between all these various countries. But as a trading bloc, EU is a significant component because it's got Germany, France and a whole bunch of other countries. Now, um, the fact that India has managed to sign free trade agreements with both the EU and the UK means that that component of imports export that India used to enjoy prior to Brexit, I think is more or less shored up. That's how I say it, sir. Your thoughts? I think it's more or less very much, um, you know, shored up. It's um, it's called defense and augmentative, which is namely they're protecting their turf, but they're also expanding the new horizon. So because UK needs partnerships with many countries to build its economy. So the captive audience of EU that it had or the common market that it had has disappeared. So therefore it needs to. So what the Indian, which is very, which is, which is actually excellent, rather than taking it for granted, the Indian business ecosystem uh, is stating, hey, you know, don't do an agreement which basically blocks access to us. Make sure that we have an expanded access to this particular market so we can begin to push the export and also diversify um, uh, or enhance our growth prospects. So I, th I think there's a very positive sign in terms of uh, both the, the import and export going uh, hand in hand. It's one of the reasons why we find that the deficit has come down from close to $100 billion to about less than $20 billion between, uh, between exports and imports right now. Senate Republicans block debt limit and government spending bill in the Senate. Biden mega infrastructure bill locked in gridlock in fight between progressives and moderates of the Democratic Party. Sridharji, today or tomorrow, I think they are going to set this thing to vote. Your gut feeling as to whether Biden's mega infrastructure bill is going to pass as is or will he have to make significant cuts? No, mega, his infrastructure bill, uh, sorry, the, what they're going to push is first the $1.2 trillion bill on Thursday. That's yes. the first one that's going to be taken up, right? The probability of that $1.2 trillion going through looks right now as we speak very remote. Why? Because if $1.2 trillion, which is the core of the infrastructure required by the businesses mandated by many Democratic Party members who are contesting these borderline elections in 2022. They want it because they need money to shore up the infrastructure in their respective constituencies. But lo and behold, the progressives say, if we concede this, then we're not going to get the votes for the mega 3.5, 
nor we are going to get the vote for other what you call chachkas, which they have got a uh, tag, which is election reforms, voting reforms, dates, that. Oh, by the way, the DACA, DACA uh, the amnesty, all these kinds of other things will get uh, thrown out. So we will hold these two bills to ransom. It has to go for a simultaneous vote. So the probability of the 1.2 trillion, which is a bipartisan, looks right now on the borderline, especially after the debt suspension, as well as the base 1 trillion infrastructure bill was blocked by the Senate Republican. Republicans made it very clear. We are not going to have anything to do with this debt. You have the mandate if you want to go and vote it. But this goes to filibuster. Therefore, they lost it. So if I understand you correctly, Sridharji, the debt ceiling raising does not require a 60 vote majority in Senate? It requires. Oh, it and requires. So basically, it is, it, unless they do make a deal with uh, these Republicans, they are dead. Exactly. So the government will be shut down again and you'll go through this thing where all the non-essential services all will be furloughed. Oh my God, I feel bad for all those government uh, employees uh, who will be going without salaries and, oh man, not not a fun place to be in. Uh, anyway, no, oh, uh, I think it, is go, it goes even further. It, might, it won't be able to make interest payments to on data obligations by October 15th. It will not have money to pay interest. It will default on the interest that, that it owes uh, on its debt to a number of nations. Well, we'll wait and see, we'll, we, won't we, how things play out. Um, let's move on. Pentagon leaders, uh, Austin and Millie, prepare for Afghanistan grilling in both houses. Now, this is going to be important because the senators as well as congressmen from both parties are going to do some hard questioning, especially uh, at uh, Millie and uh, Defense Secretary, of course on how things played out in Afghanistan. Sridharji, can you give us a taste on how this is going to happen? What is the bottom line? They'll come, they'll say something, but after that, what is going to happen, sir? There are two specific issues that are going to prop up. One, who made the decision to act against the advice that came from... Um, Defense. Uh, uh, yeah, a Pentagon, that is their own team. Who made the decision? Number one. The second thing that is going to be is who asked you and who authorized you to speak with the Chinese counterpart that you will warn him ahead of time? These two things are going to, to, to be the, the two single, two dual line of questioning and they want to get to the bottom of it. And if they don't get answers, Ted Cruz has said that he would even issue a subpoena. So you got Lindsey Graham, you have Ted Cruz, and you're going to have um, uh, one more senator, um, Paul. Um, well, third senator, Rand Paul? Uh, Rand Paul. Rand Paul. R Ryan Paul. Three are really, and then Tom Cotton. These guys are really, you know, geared up to go after them. I think some some of the Democratic uh, senators as well are up in arms saying who made these decisions and who went against these decisions. This is what is going to be ugly and, you know, in terms of the outcomes that are going to come out of this. And they may not have any outcomes and these guys may stall it and then it will go to subpoena. Yes, and uh, viewers, do tune in in about an hour's time when I will be talking to Elmer Yuen about 
what is happening from the Chinese side. They appear to be winning everywhere these days and uh, there's some astonishing developments that we will be keeping you posted to do. Do join for that. Continue to like this program. I'd like every one of you who's watching to like this program, please, because we need to hit some numbers in order to, uh, you know, make sure that uh, we are making our now uh, meeting our targets in terms of uh, outreach. And uh, let's move on to the next topic in an astonishing development. Deputy Defense Secretary Catherine Hicks signed an order that would make it easier to gain access to Defense Department secret programs, raising fears. Is this only for American citizens or is it for everybody in the world, Sridharji? No, I think that it gives open access to congressional staff and other types of people within the within the uh, house and uh, senatorial uh, representative uh, members which means that it is open sesame um, to all programs that in defense department this is signed by a political appointee just as uh, you know um, and it also is open to the political appointees who make up the administration uh, part out of the establishments so if, you, if they're going to know every bit of the program, every program that is being conceived that is on lab, well, you know, it's like uh, what you call open borders, open programs. Nothing secretive here. You can come and take over tomorrow, whatever you want. Uh, by the way, we'll also inform you before we do anything that we are coming or this is going to be done. Uh, if you want to put anything on us, please do put on top of our head. You don't need to tell us you're putting on top of our head. We'll take it just as the Afghan evacuation. I mean, I'm trying to be sarcastic here, but that's the way we are going. When you look at the uh, uh, I mean, HSS, I mean, uh, astonishing is the only, I mean, there's no other word which is to say how blind and how uh, bad this policy is. And this is where I disagree with many pundits who come in and they think everything is like black and white or everything is, you know, one shoe for one leg and one shoe for another leg. This is a very different administration. This is a very different composition and construct of the Democratic Party, which is running uh, the present administration. Nothing anybody has seen remotely close. So if somebody thinks that they're going to make a linear prediction based on modeling, based on past uh, incidences, then, you know, then they're going to be uh, very, very surprised as to what is going to come out. And woke issues distracted the top brass of the Defense Department in Afghanistan planning, says former Defense Ministry officials. The Afghan story continues to get murkier with only 3% of the evacuees being visa holders and many of them were unvetted. So you had the open borders where you are trying to let in people from Central America but not from Haiti. That's one mess. Then this new mess where they had to hurriedly evacuate people from Afghanistan. Looks like checks have not been done there. They have also not been tested for COVID. I mean, I don't know if Afghanistan has ever even started a vaccination program because that would have had uh, a U.S.'s hand in it. Uh, essentially, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a real hopeless uh, situation right now. Sridharji, I mean, uh, why is this government, this department being so, uh, the administration being so abject? This is abject. The way they are lurching from crisis to crisis, letting off the CFO of the Huawei from Canada after keeping her there for two years. I mean, this we are going to come to that next. 
but uh, Sridhar ji, I, my mind boggles right now because I'm not an American, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm an American. I see all this happening and I can only, you know, uh, roll my eyes and say, how much worse is it going to get? Sridhar ji, what are your thoughts? I think that uh, how much worse. Uh, look, I think the way need we, one needs to look at it is that you have about 20 to 25 progressive members, but they make up around 90, uh, a team of around 90 within the Democratic Party. 100, they have yeah. A very, uh, yeah, okay, 100, they make up the 100, uh, the number of 100. So these people are trying to create a narrative and an agenda which very much resembles uh, you know, left sesame or, you know, left socialist type of a model, which is effectively weaken United States, discontinue the defense program, open the borders, flood the country, um, tax the people, uh, change the architecture of the society, uh, do dispensation as, uh, as, a, as a substitute for reparation, force people to do things that you believe in, this is where we are heading in terms of various policies. Uh, change the structure of uh, uh, critical, use the critical race theory and change the educational system. Uh, you know, you don't need police. You, you need law enforcement. You need, uh, you know, litigation to solve the problems. Uh, you change the voting patterns and voting structure. You make the army woke and teach them critical uh, race theory and discrimination and so on. While, you know, it's like saying Nero fiddles when Rome burns. So that is what the former defense officials are saying. Many of them were so distracted with all these policies that are going on within the department. Nobody kept their eyes open as to what is going on in Afghanistan. That's the other side of the theory that probably will come out uh, in the inquiry. So what you are unraveling and what expressing frustration is about a set of people who want to change the course of destiny. To me, this looks like the Western powers unraveling Russia when uh, the Russian Federation was, uh, you know, uh, decoupled. Something similar what we are witnessing within from United States, in United States. And Biden administration to recreate DACA or DACA after the courts have ruled against it. Hunter Biden remains invested in Chinese Communist Party business. Sridharji, I'm trying to see if there's any relationship between what we just made and the release of the Huawei CFO. What are your thoughts, Sridharji? Uh, it is very apparent uh, that uh, if you use theory of induction, uh, Xi Jinping spoke with, uh, with Mr. Biden and hours or minutes or seconds after that, um, the Madam Meng was released and she went back. And the charges, apparently, this murkier, the charges were, whether the charges were dismissed or whether the charges uh, were uh, what you call um, condoned is unclear. The, now the legal experts are saying, depending on what Meng has spoken, there's very little chance that any enforcement can be done in a legal manner against the company based on this, uh, this uh, what you call uh, for fee that has been done by the Biden administration. Again, they don't care. This is on the eve of a quad meet. So on the eve of a quad meet, this is what Mr. Xi Jinping, uh, this is what Mr. Biden does. And Mr. Biden also did the Australia-UK-US uh, deal just prior to the quad deal. 
So what does this mean? Is Xi Jinping making personal calls to Mr. Biden to say what you what he needs to do, what he need, what he doesn't need to do? We'll discuss this because this, since we are in this topic, they will discuss this. Uh, this point comes up later, but I'll just finish it here so we don't cover it. This nuclear deal that UK and United States has done with Australia potentially compromises the ability of IAEA inspectors to inspect the nuclear capabilities of Australia. So we remember they are a signatory to the non-proliferation. So which means when they have nuclear, it is subject to inspection. Now, what will Iran do? Iran will say in Australia, you have done a deal which is not subject to IAEA, IAEA inspection. So therefore you want to come and inspect my facilities? I'm not going to allow. You go and do that first, and then you come back here. So this is the model that this administration is creating, which almost like somebody is telling Biden, screw one, so you screw two. You screw two, you screw four. This is what is going on here, just to in, completely to close the loop. In fact, there is an interesting uh, uh, situation emerging out of all this, because now India is going to be head of the IAEA, so India will be playing a larger part in trying to untangle, sometimes even, you know, jury act like the judge to try and make sense of this stuff. So it's an important role that India is going to be playing. It is Mr. Murmu, who's, who's going to be the commissioner on IAEA. He was a senior official, uh, Gujarat Kader, trusted by Prime Minister Modi. So it's going to be very interesting as India steps up. And, and starts, you know, finding its place in many of these international bodies. So we'll wait and see how that plays out. German elections, a potential setback to Xi Jinping's aspirations and complicates ties. Macron tells EU to stop being naive after Macron signs a defense deal with Greece. AUKUS nuclear deal is likely to make IAEA inspections complicated. Uh, Sridharji just touched upon this. And Ukraine summons Hungary ambassador over Hungary-Russia gas supply deal. Sridharji, two things here. Uh, perhaps you can talk about um, um, the German situation uh, handing a setback for uh, Xi Jinping and also Macron stand and Ukraine. A lot of stuff here, sir. Viewers, stay tuned. We have a few more things to go today. So very, very, very fast moving day today. Please go ahead, sir. Well, the uh, the Ukraine deal basically says that uh, Ukraine stands compromised because Russia says, uh, Hungary says, my you know my it's winter, it's cold, my homes need to be heated. They, you, you can you supply gas? No. Who can supply gas? The only person who can supply gas is Russia. Remember Germany. Germany has a similar deal. Nord Stream too. Uh, you know, they have a deal, which is effectively to say uh, the European homes, um, United States winked an eye and signed off on that deal because otherwise there's no heat, uh, especially in cold winters. So there's no point in Ukraine summoning. So Russia is winning that specific game because there is no other game in town as far as the gas is concerned. So you can see how Russia is leveraging its influence. As far as the um, Chinese... Uh, Angela was much more bullish and pro-China. She gave a lot of access through ports and roads and including logistical storage facilities for ships to come all the way from Shanghai and Shenzhen and basically dock and make their way into Europe from a trading point of view. I don't believe the prime minister from uh, the German chancellor uh, from the Social Democratic Union uh, is very favorable to this type of an approach to the Chinese. So you're going to see some 
uh, headwinds for the Chinese in terms of this specific partnership. And Germany is not a country which takes things lying down. So it will be, you know, uh, China cannot steamroll or uh, railroad as it does with the African countries as far as Germany is concerned. So some real headwinds for Mr. Xi Jinping uh, because Germany was one of the favorable partners. You all know what the situation with France, you all know what the situation with the UK as far as its ties with um, China is concerned. You all know what the situation with the Eastern European countries, most notably countries such as Lithuania, Hungary and Poland and so on. They've been raising red flags about uh, Chinese intrusion. Uh, and by the way, Lithuania was the first country which said it will open a Taipei office in Lithuania as well as it will have a representative office in Taiwan really causing the ire. And it said, you know, thumbs up, uh, China. I don't I don't care. And Japan lifts COVID-19 emergency measures in Tokyo and 18 prefectures. Fumio Kishida and Taro Kono are close leaders for the post of the prime minister in the LDP poll. So we'll have to wait and see who wins. North Korea fires what appears to be a ballistic missile, according to Japan news reports. One of the biggest challenges in the Korean peninsula is a complicated relationship between Japan and Korea. We've touched upon this on DGA in one of the previous episodes. Sridharji, your takeaway on that part of the world. North Korea is continuing to be belligerent uh, unless and until Japan has a prime minister and begins to make some actions. You can see for yourself complete and total silence from the U.S. administration. That's just another example of, I'm not here, I've switched off the lights. And Afghanistan withdraws UN Assembly address at the very last minute. Zambia, Mali, Tunisia, Sudan, that Sahel region, a lot of looming issues with coups, jihadis and armed struggles. Pentagon chief tells French counterpart he supports Sahel mission. Now the word Sahel is beginning to get mainstream coverage. Remember viewers where you got that heard, you heard that first? right here in DGI. Sridharji was the one to, uh, you know, start picking it up. I don't know if he coined it. I mean, he can tell us whether he coined it first. But Sridharji, take it away. Well, I think the uh, there's a number of issues that you touched on, which is namely, uh, I think the Afghan, apparently, uh, they were persuaded by some friendly nations, which I would assume is the um, the nations that are opposing Taliban, basically, to say, look, it would make things uh, not very palatable, so better to say, um, you know, uh, because the world doesn't want to recognize as yet when there is no resolution on Afghan matter. So I think it was a wise decision for the old representative from the uh, Ashraf Ghani government not to come and address the UN Assembly, would be redundant. Uh, I'm sure U.S. applied its pressure as well. Uh, as far as the Sahel region is concerned, um, it's very astonishing that uh, <laughs> the U.S., uh, you know, the defense chief basically calls his counterpart in uh, France and says, oh, I'm with you. Excuse me, where were you when the uh, uh, Australian deal was signed? I'm sorry. I don't know whether you can call and I can trust you. The reason is Russian footprint is increasing in, uh, in that specific region. The jihadi footprint is increasing in the region. 
France has historically had a significant footprint in the region working with various governments. The Russians have always had a footprint in that region and Russian mercenaries are being called. Now, if one needs to go back and look at the Sahel region, which is that belt, I don't want to claim uh, ownership just by myself. I'm sure that there are a couple of other people who also, but we were one of the first people, at least to say, put emphasis in the specific region, why this could be another melting pot in already, uh, you know, melting regions, various points uh, around the world. But this is untenanted right now. It is open slather in terms. If somebody wants to know, you go back and take a look at what happened to this region post-2008. Maybe in one of the DGIs, we will share a map of post-2008. Who is post-2008? Post-2008, Mr. Obama and Biden administration. Okay. Post-2008, you look at Sahel region, you look at uh, uh, the, uh, the South China Sea, you look at some of the uh, melting points that we see today, and who was keeping a watch at that point of time? The present president as the vice president and the previous president. And you will see for yourself why that region is problematic. So France is very worried that basically some of this, because there's a lot of African immigrants coming into France. You remember, France is a subject of a lot of terrorist activities. And France has enacted laws and it has had challenges and so on. So that is why France is raising his hand. And the last thing that they want to have more Russian mercenaries occupying uh, that particular region and creating more imbalance. So you are beginning to see the potpourri of the activities that is happening. One of people had asked the question, why are we covering Sahel? Why are we? we haven't touched Middle East today because we'll cover it because we don't have enough window. But these are all the different uh, vulnerable points. Why? Because United States, which was the arbitrator of peace with a willing set of coalition partners, has disappeared. It no longer is present in Middle East. It's not present in the Sahel region. It is almost absent in the Korean Peninsula. It has got a very passive footprint as we speak, even in South China Sea. It has vacated Bagram Air Base. It has no footprint in Afghanistan and it has no footprint in Central Asia. That just tells you where we are from a global perspective in terms of orderliness. And look, look at the markets now. NASDAQ drops 1.6% as bond yields inch past 1.5%. 10-year Treasury is at 1.536%, oil at $76.11, and Brent at $80. So you can see that crude is beginning to inch up again. Uh, Siddharji, your final thoughts on market before we wrap up. My thoughts are that we had predicted that we would hit 2% by end of the year. We are getting slowly inching away. That's what we had indicated. Uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell was very brave, uh, basically, to say that, you know, this uh, gyrations in interest rates are uh, a market phenomenon. He expected interest rates to stabilize. But uh, I don't believe that we are going to, this is going to taper. He has been very successful uh, thus far. But I think we are inching close to uh, 2%. As far as the energy is concerned, I think that there is a direct correlation between bond prices and the, um, and the, uh, the crude prices. 
it's not going to be $100, but it is somewhere getting close to $90, you know, by the time we come to the end of the year. So crude prices up as well as why crude prices are up? Because there's a country called United States, which was absolutely stupid to cut supplies, to cut leases and to cut existing pipelines. So there is a dip in terms of the supply. Sridharji, um, last thought based on what you just said, the progressives in the Democratic Party have an inflated view of what their influence is. And once that bubble gets punctured, and I'm hoping that's going to happen this week, you will start seeing some rationale, some more sensibility in the United States administration. And I'm expecting that uh, U.S. will start drilling uh, for shale again. I don't see how U.S. can stay out of it, especially when the prices are so attractive. Sir, forget about climate change. It's a business opportunity right now. I am sure a lot of people in Texas, in South Dakota, North Dakota, they are all screaming in the ears of the president saying, look, this is the place where we want to get back into this. Anyway, that's my two cents on this one. Thanks for watching. Do like our channel as soon as the programs start airing and see you all in one and a half hours time. Namaskar. Namaskar. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.